0: to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm your host. Every Wednesday and Friday, I am bringing you interviews of female and non-binary makers of all kinds from all over the world. Today's guest is Seven Bailey out of the Twin Cities. Now, Seven, you may recognize from the recently released show on Netflix, Metal Shop Masters. I kind of got hooked up with Seven after watching uh, slash binging all of that show because a former podcast guest was on the show as well. That was Leah. And I was chatting with Leah all about the show. And she mentioned that Seven would be an awesome guest. And you know what? I was thinking the exact same thing. So, so happy to be able to get to chat with Seven. Just a... uh, Fabulous human being. So uh, I had truly, truly a great time chatting with them. Uh, so like I mentioned, Seven lives in the Twin Cities on the Metal Shop Masters show on Netflix, a welder, fabricator, artists, just, you know, all, all into metal <laughs> all the time, pretty much. So I won't give too much more than that away uh, because it's just such a great interview and um, I'm happy to have you here to listen to it. But before we hop into the interview with Seven, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the Revolution Pod Squad over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette, 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin, Lefties Workshop. Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy at Jeremy Spees, Sammy at Go Sammy Leeds, Sven, Dwarf Sized Workshop, Rachel, Moody Makes, Bonnie, Toolmom Bonnie, ToolmomStore.com. Laura, Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou, Made by Mary Lou, Brandy, Studio, Obey, Lee, The Rainbow Carver, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued and ongoing support, um, helping me to produce two episodes a week, every week. If you would like to get your name added to this list, you certainly can. Just head on over to patreon.com forward slash crafting a revolution. Check out the different tier levels over there and that come with different swag options and uh, you will get your name added to the list that gets thanked at the start of every episode every week. All right, let's head on into this awesome interview with Seven Bailey. Uh, I usually like to start by having my guests introduce themselves. So would you be up to doing that for me? Sure. Right
1: now, all right. Um, My name is is Seven Bailey and I am an artist, metal fabricator, welder, uh, certified welding inspector, educator, kind of do anything involving metal fabrication is my jam, I've been obsessed with it since forever. Awesome. I'm out of, uh, based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota.
0: Yes. I am like real, I always get really kind of geeked out when I get to have other guests on who are in the Midwest, um, cause I'm in Eastern Iowa. So we've done a couple like family trips, you know, to the twin cities and stuff. It's not, it's like five hours, which isn't a terrible drive. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I really love the, I love the twin city area.
1: Oh yeah. Gorgeous. Um,
0: yes. Um, so I like to also start by asking a pretty broad question, which is what's your, what's your story? Like where did you, you know, kind of grow up and then how'd you get into this world of metal fabrication?
1: <clears throat> All right. Well, my, my metal fabrication uh, story probably started when I was, I think about the age of I want to say I had to have been four or five and back in the day, because I'm 40. So, you know, I'm not a baby. Luckily, this is preserving well. So I look younger (laughs) than I actually am. Uh, I had the opportunity to watch Flashdance and I believe it was on Laserdisc at the time. And, you know, Laserdisc last all of probably three years before
0: Mm -hmm. people
1: decided that they were ridiculous. And I remember seeing Flashdance and first off, just being obsessed with you know, Jennifer Beals, because she's gorgeous
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and brown and uh, intriguing. But then, you know, the movie progresses and she's in a, in a male-dominant industry of, of, of welding. Um, of course, what they were doing in that movie was not actual welding. And every <laughs> time I see it now, I'm literally embarrassed because I'm just like, is this what people think? It looks like trash, but yes. it doesn't matter. I was intrigued by that as well as the, the, um, uh, the dance and striptease aspect of flash dance, you know, it's definitely one of those things where it's a queer route for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that always stuck in the back of my mind that whatever that thing that she was doing with metal was exciting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had an opportunity, you know, and you might've experienced this as well, being from the Midwest and, and all of the farm, you know, we're farm country, right? Mm-hmm. And we have the opportunity in high school to do things like wood shop and agriculture mm-hmm. and things like automotive and metal fabrication. And so I took all of those things. And <laughs> as soon as I got into metal fabrication, I was like, ooh, yep, yep. This is still really exciting to me. I love every aspect of it. I want to do more. Um, I'd always been really heavily, I was an only child up until the age of, or I'd say around 11. And so I spent a lot of time by myself. It was, you know, uh, heavily into like building things. So Legos and art-based things. So painting and drawing and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, those were my creative outlets. Those are the ways that I got to express myself and keep myself entertained, right? So in high school, you know, I took all the arts courses as well. And as I kind of progressed forward, I thought, wait a second, how can I combine these things together? Right. And I kind of got fixated into, well, when I, when I graduate high school, maybe I need to go to college for studio art. And if I do studio art, you know, my mom was very into pushing, you know, I think, you know in 1999 people are pushing four year you got to go to school mm-hmm. you got to get a four year degree and it's different now thankfully but you know that was the obsession back then and mm-hmm. and so i said okay I'll, I'll do studio art and i will do an emphasis on metal sculpture well i lasted about a year in in college and um my head wasn't in the right place at the time. I'd had, I had lost my first love into in a tragic car accident and I just was not in a good space. And I knew that I didn't want to, I didn't have anything to give um, as far as education was concerned. And so I dropped out. I had this really great conversation though with my instructors at the time about what I wanted to do. And they said, you know, you don't need to go to school for that. We believe that you're gonna be just fine do your thing, live your life. And I was so grateful for these people that I looked up to saying it was okay. And I didn't have to do these things that society at the time was telling you you had to do to be successful. So dropped out and kind of knocked around a bit from Winona, Minnesota, where I grew up to Minneapolis and found my way to California. Um, I mostly wanted to get to California because you could probably relate, you come from small town Midwest, you wanna get the hell out. You're like, I I need to find my people. I need to be young and queer and have all of the experiences. Let's go to California. And so I, I gratefully, I made it to California and I took a job at an art store, staying true to art. And I was there for probably like two years and I remember having this really cool conversation with another person there saying, you know, I need to figure out what I'm going to do for a career. I need to figure out what I want to do with my life. And I want to be able to, like, buy a home someday and be able to pay bills. And what if I want a family and, you know, big people stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Grown up stuff. And so I said, you know, I'm going to go back to what I know spoke to my heart. And I'm going to go to metal fabrication. I want to be a welder. And so my friend at the time was like, dude, that's awesome. You know, do it. And within two weeks, I um, quit my job and I had an opportunity to, we had to, we had to find jobs on Craigslist back in the day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was a good hub before like Indeed and Monster and all of that. And I I found a guy who ran a small company in uh, heating and cooling. And so we did a lot of R&D work. Um, A lot of stainless fabrication, a lot of aluminum fabrication. And I said, you know, this is my background. I've got very little welding experience, but I can tell you that I can do this job. And I sold it. Like, Don't give me an interview, because if I get in there for an interview, I'm going to seal the deal. And so two hours later, he says to me, you come back tomorrow. I'm going to put you under the hood. You're going to weld for uh, the full day. And if you can weld by the end of the day, I'm going to give you this job. Sweet. Go home. I immediately went out, bought a new hood, bought the gear. I got, you know, a $300 textbook because I was going to be TIG welding and I had never TIG welded before (laughs) in my life. And I was like, let me just get this in. So I just sucked up everything I could in that moment. And sat down. I had an old school, you know, an OG welder sit down with me and show me. And I was welding like, (laughs) I get think back. I'm like, man, I don't even, I think if I was lucky, it was 10 gauge, but honestly, uh, it was probably like 14 or something like that. I mean, it was just, it was tiny thin (laughs) and I was welding around quarter inch tubes while purging having to go around and, and make these beautiful welds, not burning up the chromium and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And by the end of the day I was doing it. And I, I think that there are certain things that sometimes people are just meant to do. I clearly was meant to do this because I've <laughs> in my, in my six years of on straight, just education side of it, I've never seen anything like that where somebody's just picked it up and went. And I and thought, okay, cool, I've got this. And so I got the job. Um, and that really, really started my career in in welding and metal fabrication. Um, but it wasn't until further along the road did I get into the more artistic side mm-hmm. of things. Um, and that's really been the past 10 years.
0: Okay. Is that, did you do, like, what brought you back to the Midwest?
1: Oh, Midwest, well, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, uh with back to the Midwest, I I was in a relationship so I I was in a domestic partnership from the age of like 20 we were together from 21 until 29. I spent okay. my 20s working and being in a relationship and raising a kid. And and I'm I'm grateful that I got to do it while I was young and I was able to like provide and 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 mm-hmm. handle all of those things. But when our relationship finally came to an end, I kind of felt a little bit lost. You know, I didn't, I didn't really know my place anymore. And I knew I was, was not happy and I felt depressed and I reached out to friends of mine and I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a bad space. I also was heavily drinking and I, I said, I think I need to first get sober And second, I need to just come home and reset myself. And so that's exactly what I did. I I came home and reset myself. uh, And I'm so happy that I made that choice for myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I made it back here.
0: Okay. Yeah, I would definitely say a lot of that (laughs) would resonate in the sense of a Midwest kid growing up knowing I was queer and Mm -hmm. not knowing that wasn't fully uh, (laughs) accepted in, you know, in small town or even, I mean, Iowa doesn't really have any large towns, but um, (laughs) in in the Midwest and it was always like out on the horizon, right? If you go to California, everything's better there. Like, like the assumption that you're like automatically accepted and stuff. So, Um, I mean, I did, I ended up spending uh, four and a half years in um, Southern California with my wife, like we lived out there Um, and learned by that experience that unless you're in like San Francisco, San Diego, LA, like in the big, big cities, like the rest of the state is still basically like Iowa, Uh, (laughs) you know, Uh, so Learned that lesson, but yeah, it was definitely a a queer kid's dream moving out to California.
1: Um, (laughs) Absolutely.
0: um, So, what I guess when you came back and you did the reset is that when you started exploring kind of the artistic side of welding.
1: Yeah. So, gosh, so I came back and it was like 2011, and I immediately went to go find work you know when I left California I was in management so I no longer was fabricating all of the time I mean every once in a while I'd get in there and I'd still you know fabricate but I got really heavily involved in the management side of things which I really love like I love project management management organization getting stuff done and I think it you are that much better if you have a clear understanding of how to do those things. Right. Yeah. And so I immediately found some work up here and I simultaneously uh, reached out to a friend of mine who was here and was just talking about, you know, metal fabrication and welding in general. And they said, Oh, I I have to introduce you to somebody. And I said, Oh yeah. 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 She's really great. Um, And I think you guys will get along and, you know, maybe you can get into some of the stuff that she's into. Her name is Heather Doyle, and she is a artist and um, the artistic director of the Chicago Avenue Fire Arts Center here in Minneapolis. And I walked in not knowing her, introduced myself, we started talking. She was just really starting to, to set up the facility, and I offered my help. said hey i can help you in any which way you know i know a lot about setting up shops and whatnot and also if you need any help on the fab side like let me know and she reached out to me she said yeah actually i do have a job Mm -hmm. so she called me in on a job and and she said this is what i'm about she's all art all art world and um brought me in and we had such a good time and she was impressed with um you know my technique and my fab knowledge that she was just like, do you want to work together? <laughs> and I was like, yes, <laughs> of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and and really through Heather and working in the partnership with her through industrial, that's what we're called. Um, you know, we do everything from private commissions to, you know, big grant funded pieces for the city. And it has been an absolute dream come true to be able to do that. You know, I, I wouldn't be where I am or do the things that I do without Heather. Heather, like the universe gifted me, Heather. And I lovingly refer to her as my work wife. Um, Cause she, she absolutely is. She has my heart. She has my utmost respect. And we continue to work together to this day. And I, man, you know, she's cultivated such a beautiful community of of artists and fabricators out here, that it's, uh, it's there's I it's very special, um, mm-hmm. so yeah it's I'm just so damned lucky to have that work life of mine, um, <laughs> and it's funny too because you know I I think back to to college where it was I'm gonna drop out and then maybe I won't maybe I won't be a, fab, maybe I won't be an artist. Maybe I won't do any sculptures. Maybe, you know, that's just not in the the cards for me. And it took me coming back home to work on myself and to get myself together to then invite these other humans into my life, right. That are doing these things that I want to be able to do and sharing these things with me. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I carry with me as I take on, you know, different projects outside of industrial is that I want to honor sharing these experiences, especially with women. Um, You know, it's it's number one priority for me is if I can uh, support, aid, and help women, and especially Black women Mm -hmm. in the world of art and fabrication, I'm going to use any platform or opportunities that I have To be able to do that Mm -hmm. um it's just so damn important
0: yeah hey makers today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com at toolmomstore.com you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders all sizes they've got mugs they've got shirts all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag would her on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, and also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout, if you enter the code MAKERMOM, you will get a 20% discount off any of the merchandise that you buy. So that's just toolmomstore.com. All right, let's head back into the action. <clears throat> Trying to decide which way I want to go with this first. Um, <laughs> no. I was, I, was, I want to, I guess, follow a little bit further down the, like the sculpture path and ask like, in collaboration there out on your own um, doing pieces, you know, for the for the city and stuff. Are you doing it all from like design stage through to fabrication um, or is it, you know, depending on the project you're gonna be hit more heavy on one side versus the other?
1: Yep. Um, I would say it's project to project. Um, sometimes, you know, people will contact me and say, you know, I want this thing you design and, you know, do that. Um, and then sometimes people call me and they're like, I just need somebody to manage this project because I I don't know how I'm going to be able to do that. Or I need somebody on this project to train others to do this project as well. And so one of the things about the fire arts center is, you know, uh, a lot of the programs that are run. It's written in that we are training and educating, you know, community on how to fabricate and to create these things. I mean, that's the beauty of that. Um, And so, yeah, it really, it really, really ebbs and flows. A lot of times what happens more than anything is an artist will come up with something and then they go, I want it made out of metal. And then I go, cool. (laughs) (laughs) And then I have to extract you know, what it is that they think that they want and what actually makes sense um, on that fabrication side. And I think it's one of the reasons why Heather and I balance each other out so well is that she is full on artist 24 seven.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I have, my fab brain is a big chunk of my existence. The, art, the artist's brain is there, but I'm already thinking about, but wait, how can I make this happen, Yeah. yeah. right? is a lot of times people get excited. And so when I'm, when I'm working on projects like um, a good, good example would be the purple raindrop. Um, you know, the artist had, you know, the purple raindrop drawn out and it was drafted and then, you know, they reached out to Heather and I and, you know, Heather's like, well, you know, seven, we should make this out of sheet metal. And of course, we're going to make it out of sheet metal. But we're gonna have to make this frame within this sheet metal because of x, y, and z. And, and then we just kind of build from there. Um, Nimbus is another good example where uh, Tristan, um, he Nimbus is huge, by the way, it's, you know, it's like 40 feet in diameter, I believe. Um, And, you know, Tristan brought me down to Georgia and it was kind of like in a skeleton and he had routed how he wanted to lay everything out Mm -hmm. and said, he said, okay, this is kind of what I have here. Or do you want to do this project? (laughs) We've started, (laughs) we've started. Do you want to do this project? And I said, well, first off, we're going to have to take these apart. I, and we have to take these welds apart because when we're talking about big structural uh sculptures you know we're doing those to code right and mm-hmm. so I'm breaking it down and the CWI and me goes well this is not going to work we can't do that but we're going to do this instead and then we're going to you know problem solve how we're going to create certain curvatures and whatnot and so then we're just processing and doing and building and it's so fun to be able to bring the artists along for the ride right mm-hmm. you know to be very hands-on so they know that they've it isn't just their brainchild, they've also created that thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like being a, a vessel, right? To help facilitate uh, bringing somebody's vision to a reality. Mm-hmm. I, for me, that's the most important thing. I think it's truly, I would say that it is truly my purpose in life to elevate, empower and help other humans And it just so happens that metal sculpture is just my jam and I'm, and I'm into it. And that's, and that's what I get to deliver. And I think that's, it's really, really exciting.
0: Yeah. I just think I I asked that question in particular because I've had some other metal artists on, you know, as guests on the podcast. And it was through one that I learned about this world of like, somebody can be an artist and design this piece of artwork and then not fabricate it themselves correct like you know and and that just and it still does just blows my mind because at least in the my art world is wood art world which is like well of course if I design it I'm going to make it like the correct part of the joy to me is the making not just Mm. the the you know dreaming up what I want to make type thing, and I would say my brain probably falls yours more in the sense of once I come up with the concept, my first thing is like, well, how am I going to make it? And mm-hmm. that may change the design if I cannot figure out how I'm going to actually make that part work. Then I either have to table it for that design and try it later. You know, it's it's going to make changes.
1: Yeah, absolutely, that yeah. happens all the time. Yeah. (laughs) All the time. You know, it's yeah, I would say uh, that's about 50 50 on that. You know, you're you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. And then you do it. That is not working. No. And sometimes it's, you know, three or four tries on trying to figure out what's going to work to achieve what it is that's up in here. And I think that's what's so challenging sometimes is that what we have up here doesn't always come out. Mm-hmm. Quite, quite physically the way that we 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 dream them up, and I think that's really the case for a lot of artists that dream big and and go into this avenue of work. Oh, well, I want to do metal, but I don't do metal. You know, right. they're like, I want to do metal, but I don't do it. Yeah. So who's who's going to do this metal? Like, who's going to understand uh, artist artist brain, but then making it happen? Um, And like I said, that's, that tends to be a good majority of my work. It's very rare that I got to just sit down and make something for myself because I'm constantly making for others. But like I said, the balance for me, and and it's different for every artist, you know, the balance for me is uh, nothing brings me more joy than helping others.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: You know, that's
0: a, that's awesome. So I'm going to pivot to the other path that I wanted to go down and, sure. and I will preface this with obviously, you know, share as much or as little as you feel comfortable in sharing. Um, but so you identify as non-binary now, yep. am I correct in presuming you were assigned female at birth? Correct. Okay. So what has that journey been like? That progression and how do you feel mm-hmm. like that's like interacted with your work?
1: Yeah, um, it's been a wild journey. If I, I was thinking about this actually driving. I was driving from work and getting home so I could do this with you. And I was just thinking about my experience and how grateful I am to be in a place of my life at age forty to finally go. You know what? I'm, non- I'm non-binary. This is, mm-hmm. this is, this is exactly who I am. And it. I think that as a kid, I always didn't really, I never related, uh, mm-hmm. with being identified as a female or, um, it, it always just didn't sit well with me. Mm-hmm. And, and then nothing that I ever did was, was, I didn't play with dolls. I mm-hmm. didn't want any, I didn't want anything to do with dresses. I never wanted long hair. I mean, all of those things, like it just didn't feel like me. And I remember when I finally grew boobs, <laughs> I was just devastated. <laughs> and it took me a long time because I was a late bloomer. Yeah. So, I mean, I, was, I remember running around at like topless at like 11 and one of my cousins being like, listen, you can't do that. And I'm like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> because I didn't have any right. boobs, so it didn't matter. Right. I was like, why not? <laughs> She's mm-hmm. like, that's not appropriate. And um I think I tried to make peace, you know. I I definitely realized I was queer at a young age. And I came out to my parents when I was like 15, 16, I think 15. I wasn't driving yet. And I just said that I love people, and you know, I was fine where I was at. And I thought that that was enough for me. Mm-hmm. And just be told, up until about you know, 2020, I, I thought to myself, I see all of these young folks now, not that I'm that old, but I am. Right. Um, I see all these young folks now that are so open and able to just, oh, I'm non-binary. Oh, I'm this. Oh, I feel like that. And it's okay. And, and it's such a beautiful thing. It is so <laughs> beautiful and wonderful. And, and I think to myself, like, had I had that as a younger human, I definitely would have come out a long time ago as non-binary, for sure. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, COVID happened. And um, here in Minneapolis, you know, following George Floyd's murder, uh, the uprising happened. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: we experienced a lot of deep trauma We were dealing with a lot of grief. We were still in isolation and all of those things and being black for me, I'm sitting here. I am, you know, I'm in the center. I'm three blocks from George Floyd square. I am in my house, losing my mind and not feeling okay. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about all of the things that didn't feel okay to me. And one of the things that I'd struggled with for so long that didn't feel okay was I really, truly did not or do not identify as a woman. Now, I am, however, grateful for the years that I did, you know, identify Mm -hmm. as a woman because I used that space to support and promote women in general. So I don't, you know, it's like, there's no regrets there. I don't go, oh, you know, it was a tortured existence because I wasn't tortured, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But 2020 made me go, I'm going to make sure that the rest of my existence is exactly how I want my existence. Nothing is guaranteed. This world is kind of a shit show. I am going to do all of the things so I can feel the most authentically me. And that was such a weight that I didn't realize that I had. I'm a really happy-go-lucky human, but I did have that internally, and it was scary to. It was scary to come out to my wife. It was mm-hmm. the one thing that we really didn't talk about. I did talk about, you know, wanting top surgery before, just because I've never liked, you know, having breasts. Um, and once I did, she says to me, "She goes, I mean, I've been waiting." And I was like, I mean, I was like, you could have, but you you know, asked, right? yeah. <laughs> and I was like, babe, hey, why didn't you say something? But yeah. like, the reality is, you know, you have to come to terms with mm-hmm. it on your own. And the moment I was able to, to talk to my wife about that, I was just like happy
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and overjoyed about that. And I'm so glad I finally felt safe and okay enough to to do it
0: yeah I'm glad you had that space
1: yeah thanks wow.
0: yeah I, I feel how it like, came about yeah I feel like though like at least if I believe social media I feel like yeah. 2020 was a year that a lot of people finally like I think be- because they were with themselves <laughs> and had nobody else necessarily in a lot of ways to like converse with or or things to um to, to intentionally distract themselves, you know? Correct. Um, I think a lot of people, it's like, you know, maybe came more to terms with their sexuality and their gender. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like it happened for a lot of people. Um,
1: it really did. And <laughs> yeah. it, it's so neat to see, you know, how many humans are, you know, so many humans are coming out, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and that's really great. And not just coming out with their gender identities, but, you know, sexuality, you know, poly life has been another thing for folks that I've noticed that is definitely, I wouldn't say it's trending, but because we all reevaluated our existence and how we're living our lives in, within the pandemic, people are exploring that and it's more socially acceptable. All of these things are more socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. And with that, people now get to go, yeah, that's me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I'm that too. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. How, I mean, we're still in a pandemic, so I can't say we're out of a pandemic, but we're still in a pandemic. Unfortunately. How have you seen the, you know, getting fully comfortable growing into your full self reflected in your work as you, you know, as you start to, I would imagine you're at least able to start doing a little bit more work now. even with
1: the pandemic still going on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so interesting enough, yes we 're starting to get back into work, and you know there's there's two things, obviously, a year ago, you know I did the show, the Netflix mm-hmm. show, and i when they first started talking to me i was i hadn 't come out yet
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so they you know they had me as a woman and you know and this and that. And you know, that was I think in May and by July, it was early May, so before before mm-hmm. the uprising happened, then July hit. And by July, I'm like, I'm non- I'm non-binary. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and this is it. I'm trans non-binary. This is my life. And um and it's go. And then of course the show hit me back in August and said, you know, you <laughs> still want to do the show. And it did the show and they never really asked me during the show pronouns. And, and honestly, they called us by our names, which was really nice. Uh, it wasn't until after the filming, shortly before they were going to start releasing that the show is going to be out, that they called me up on the phone and they're like, hey, we noticed on your social media that you're using they them pronouns," which I thought was really awesome of them. And, yeah. and I had a really cool conversation with them. I said, listen, if during filming um you know you were using she her and and you just it it can't be edited like I get that that's okay I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose yes. sleep but I will tell you that if people watch the show and they follow me and they sort of like you might get a little flack for it but I want to make sure that people understand the timeline was it happened yes. and I I did come out in July, but we didn't really talk about that on the show. It was just your name, you're you're working, you're getting things done. And most recently, I would say since coming out, uh, I guess the work started to kind of come through again. Um, I went down to Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama, and I've been working on the Mothers of Gynecology project with an artist named uh, Michelle Browder. And she had this vision like 10 years ago um, about creating a monument to Lucy, Betsy, and, and Anarka. And they were slave enslaved women that were experimented but really tortured uh, by James Marion Sims back in the day, who is known as the, the you know the father of gynecology, but personally just trash. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but uh she reached out to me and she had reached out to me because she had heard of me from lou one of the other contestants on the show and they're good friends and he had been helping her out and she expressed the need to continue working on the mothers and uh, she lovingly refers to them as the mothers and uh so she reached out and told me about what she was doing and told me about the importance of having, you know, a black fabricator. And she didn't know that I was non-binary at the time. So, you know, woman, and then I just, you know, gentle correction, Mm -hmm. hey, actually I identify as this. Um, But she really warmed up. She's like, well, tell me more. I had no idea. This is amazing. And I said, hey, listen, I still have all, you know, a strong relation, obviously, to gynecology. (laughs) so if it doesn't feel weird I definitely want to support that and I want to honor that by bringing as many women together as possible to continue fabricating um on your on your piece and so that's what we did you know I I got a group together including Leah from the show Mm -hmm. and we went down there and got a really rich history lesson of uh, Montgomery I had no idea and you know being black in the Midwest, especially your education on slavery in general is, it's it's the size of a post-it note.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: And, you know, you really have to do digging to, to, to educate yourself and it's not encouraged and Mm -hmm. it definitely wasn't encouraged as, as a youth. And so to hear the history and the stories, um, of these, especially, I mean, of course, all humans, but the stories of, of the women, especially, really resonated with me. And Like I said, I can't, I don't want to change or shift the past 40 years of my existence. Right. Uh, because there's so much that I relate to as a non binary human, right? And uh, I think that stuff is super, and it's super important for me to do work that matters. Um, to do work that, that's speaking truths, to mm-hmm. do work that is about education, to do work that is surrounded um, w- with, with, like I said, women and non-binary folks and trans folks and people of color. And so that is, you know, that is my shift. And, and I want to say my main goal for the future in general is to stay along that, Mm -hmm. that path, you know, um, you know, previous to that, was it a year ago? Well, not quite a year ago. um, We, on MLK day, 2021, we, we reconstructed the George Floyd square fist. You know, it was made out of wood Mm -hmm. and, you know, there were threats of people burning it down and you know uh, the keepers of the square were worried, and so they they asked Jordan, the original artist, if if we could find a way to to make it out of metal. Well, Jordan's media is not metal, and I don't actually think he's even a woodworker. But it was something that right. spoke to him, and he was just like me and my friends got together and we we you know we created this, and it was a gift. And he and he, he hadn't intended it to be what it became. Mm-hmm. You know the community made it what it was and so to to really make sure that the heart of the square stays the heart of the square let's make it almost indestructible right Mm -hmm. and so uh my uh my beautiful work wife sent me a message and said hey um got this thing come on in let's talk about it of course it was let's let's reconstruct this fist so um you know the fire arts center it's run by badass women (laughs) <laughs> by the way and so we all we get there and everybody is you know huddled up and we're just going to talk about how we want to to move forward and I said all right this is what we're going to do we're going to need this team of humans it's going to take these many hours and we're going to go and it was about 40 i would say it was yeah not 40 hours it was probably 5 days 4 days 4 days or 5 days and there were on and off about seven us, of us consistently working on that, um, myself heading up the crew, and we got it done and ready to fa- ready to install in the square on MLK Day. Um, we had about a half-hour, 40-minute window to erect it. <laughs> the thing is, it's huge. Yeah, the base of that I've point, seen pictures of that thing. Yeah, yeah the base <laughs> of it is like eight by... I don't know if it's eight by eight or eight by 10. I mean, it's huge, just the base alone. So, you know, we made an internal frame uh, for everything involving that because once again, we're dealing with sheet metal mm-hmm. and, you know, we were tasked with making it look as much as possible, like the wood one as we could mm-hmm. with the amount of time that we, we had. And we had Jordan there with us. We had Jordan cutting and torching <laughs> and, you know, which is mm-hmm. awesome to be able to do. And as we were going to erect it, I called in some more reinforcements. We, you know, there's still snow on the ground. There's ice everywhere. We literally like push this thing out into the street and the community just gets together and we, you know, piece by piece. And, you know, this is how we're going to do it. Everybody's, everybody's helping there. You know, all hands are on deck. And when it's time to actually lift that fist up, I mean, we're talking about, (sighs) I'm sure it was I'm thinking it's close to about 1400 pounds or so just that portion. Yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, everybody's just holding it up and we've created bars to make sure that we're safely doing it as possible in the ice in yeah. the cold yeah. in Minnesota. <laughs> in
0: Minnesota, yeah.
1: <laughs> in Minnesota. And boom, she's up and it was such a seamless beautiful experience to to be able to do that um it was life changing for many of us. That that is so so important for me, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and being able to being able to to showcase that and being visible. You know, I've done some interviews since then um, in regards to to what I'm up to and and the importance of being visible. If we don't see, you know non-binary, trans, you know, black, queer people doing these things, then how are we ever going to know that we can do it too? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, yeah, some of us are just like, yeah, we're going to go do it. But sometimes it's really, really important to just be holding space. So other people know that they're welcome into that space. Mm -hmm. And that's a conversation I have all the time. Um, in the art community and in just the fab world as, as a whole, how we're holding, holding space.
0: Hey, makers. So today's podcast episode is sponsored in part by Alicia Van Osdall, who is the owner of Basil Blue Design Company. Alicia is a maker of all things, really. Her focus is on beautiful craftsmanship through woodworking, repurposing, refinishing art and sculpture. Her background includes 30 years of graphic design, logos, and branding. If you have an idea or concept that and need a creative solution or graphic design, you can email Alicia directly at alicia, and that is A-L-I-C-I-A at basilblue.com. Or you can visit her website at www.basilblue.com. And fun fact, uh, Alicia actually designed the logo for Crafting Revolution. So that is an example of the impeccable work you can expect if that is something you are in the market for. So be sure to look up Alicia again at her website, BasilBlue.com. All right, let's get back into the action. I can definitely see it in the fab world. Um, Mm -hmm. Not not necessarily the case but I do feel the art world has always probably been more queer friendly than you know other spaces um and leaps and bounds probably out of fab world Um, uh, you know I have a background working with manufacturers and so I tend to walk into spaces and be both the only woman in the space and the only queer person, uh, yep. at least out queer person in the space. Um <laughs> so I know they they have leaps and bounds <laughs> to grow. Um yeah. so yeah I wanna I mean I do want to I guess touch on and talk a bit about um about the the show the Metal Shop Masters because I binged it. Um, I was not aware of uh, yourself as a person uh, yeah. before watching it um, I had Leah previously on as a guest on the podcast um, and so That's when my sister yeah, when she when she was putting it out there that uh, the show was coming I was like oh I have to watch this I was like so yeah. so psyched and then after episode one and you were off and I was I was pissed. (laughs) And and then episode two, she was off and I was even more pissed. Um, And, and I know, you know, I had conversation with her and, and I, I know you all became kind of a family of sorts. And so I don't want to like disrespect, you know, any one person maker on the show at all. But I, I really was wrapping my mind around Like I ended up my wife and I started watching it together and then she's like, Oh, this is kind of your thing. You continue to watch it, you know? And, and, Mm -hmm. and so she came back in on the last episode and I was like, I'm just really finishing it out because I want to finish it out. And she's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, you know, who's, who's it down to? And I said, the two straight white dudes, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) you know, and and it was kind of like that. really like everybody else, you know, because I feel like they, I feel like they did start with a, for a show of this kind, start Mm -hmm. with a fairly diverse Mm -hmm. group, right? Mm -hmm. More diverse than I expected. I'll put it that (laughs) Um, Correct. But with, you know, with Lou and Ray going right before the the final episode, um, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. There goes our last person of color and there goes our last, fe- you know, female. Yeah. Um, and it just got me thinking, like, what would the world look like if we did an entire something that was on mass media that there wasn't a single. Cis, het, white, male involved.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: What would that actually look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and what would it look like to compare apples to apples? Cause I was also thinking like the, the people who got to the end, I don't doubt that they have worked hard and they have excellent skills on of their own merit, but I feel like I can say with pretty good certainty that they've probably been afforded more opportunities in their past Mm -hmm. to help grow that
1: Mm -hmm.
0: than others.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, like
0: that's what I'm saying. Like not the comparing the apples to apples. Like if we had people who all had equal running at at all of the things, like all of the doors that get opened, um, mm-hmm. that get opened without question when mm-hmm. you're at the quote-unquote top of the people hierarchy pyramid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. You know, it gives maybe them an opportunity to grow in certain skills that others just haven't haven't had those doors opened. Like,
1: I, yeah, <laughs> I just had this conversation <laughs> with... Um, you know, I, I run a fabrication shop here in Minneapolis called Love Green Industrial. And I was just having a conversation um, with a project manager about the industry and, you know, folks, minorities, anybody really that's not a cis white man. Um, what happens when they're provided opportunities? It isn't just about, it's about equity. Right. Yeah yeah. and and, and making sure that everybody has an even playing field in general. And I'm not even talking about the show. I'm just in general. Yeah, Yeah, in general. That's and that's what we need to strive for. What are we doing to promote equity? What are we doing to Make sure that we are all contributing in ways to support equity, and that's, like I said, that's the importance for me of doing the show in the first place: is to be visible, to get people excited, hopefully about it, and to help as many people as possible who are interested in this industry. Like, if people are interested in this industry and uh, and want to reach out, reach out to me. I, I'd be more than happy like, to to support and help mm-hmm. facilitate, you know, next steps as far as the show, you know, yeah, of course it was a bummer to go. And, and, you know, Leah and I both, you know, we talked about it and, and we talk all the time and, and am I sad that I didn't get to go further? Yeah. Cause I would have loved to do some of the other, of their challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, you know, if I were to Reinvent that show a little bit. I think the thing that I would do is do it on a point system, not a uh, um, a challenge by challenge situation. Mm-hmm. I also think that the introduction of the avatars should have just been that the fact that they kept Ray and Lou during that one cup. I'm not sending either one yeah. of you home. Yeah. I'm like, wait a second. Why didn't you just keep everybody through the avatars so right. people could introduce themselves and then have a competition? Boom, done. That would have been a different playing field and it would have been, it would have allowed for a little bit more context and to kind of maybe see where we, we could have gone, but there, there wasn't that opportunity. Now, I will say that I do believe that 100%, you know, if you break down the challenge to challenge to challenge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, guess what? Tom was really consistent. You know, uh, is he the most flamboyantly artistic? No fabrication wise technique you yep. know tom's world if you look at tom's stuff it's so polished so intricate i mean mm-hmm. what tom does is like nobody else you know and that's his baby and so yeah. it makes sense for him as a as a fabricator to get where he got and then ultimately win and as far as you know ivan is concerned ivan is a genius <laughs> uh Ivan is really, really impressive. And if people aren't paying attention, I, I know Ivan, he is, he's dude's got a big chunk of my heart. I love that man. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend to, and I'm not going to speak for uh, assuming anybody's. you know, I know Tom's world and and Ivan's world. I know a little bit of Ivan's background and no, the, He's, he doesn't come from a silver spoon. Of course right. he's got a, you know, of course he's a white man and, and, you know, he has all the privileges of a white man. Um, but never has there been, uh, I call him, I call him a unicorn. He knows he's, he's a unicorn. I call him a lesbro. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I say that lovingly to yep. a few men in the world and he's definitely one of those men, uh, very unique, open heart, like really good communicator and a brilliant mind, mm-hmm. and so I was so happy to watch watch his journey through the show. And um, I'm, congratulations to them both, right? Yeah, but right. I I that's my dude, and uh, I think that he is really he's a gift. He's mm-hmm. a gift to the industry, and he's a gift to the art world for sure. So. Um, I think that doing what we did, I don't know if they're going to do another one. Right. You know, um, doing what they did, I think they learned a lot. I would assume that the producers have been following all the social media and whatever. They've learned learned some things and areas to, to kind of improve. And, you know, if it happens again, I, I, I think it's going to be better. This wasn't bad. It It was a great experience. And, you know, when you create, when you build something, you, you hope the next time is better. And I think that who knows what can come from this, Mm -hmm. you know, people might see this and go, yeah, we do want to show. And we do want people that are, you know, not typical anymore. And what does that actually, what does that actually look like? Yeah. I hope that that's what, what comes out of it for people.
0: Yeah. And, and I just want to be before I say one other thing, I want to be crystal clear that, again, watching the show, I had no doubt that everybody who was there deserved to be there. Like, I don't, you know, I don't hold it against um, Tom or Ivan for making it no, to yeah. the to the final at all. Um, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it was still kind of like, obvi- I was like. I was still rooting basically you for still everybody rooting. else. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> think about this. I mean, the way you look at it is here, I've created a sculpture that was directly related to a very, very real and raw thing that was happening in my life at the time and happening to Black America. Yes. And, and you know, to have it viewed like it wasn't enough was, you know, that's wild to me. Um, and you know, for, for Leah's sculpture, you had to think about Leah, Leah, Leah is also out of this world. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> for me, it was like, you clearly didn't understand that that very much was her avatar. Mm-hmm. Those monsters are her, whether or not you understand her as those monsters, that right. is Leah's. And so the, 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 the craftsmanship, the, the artistic brain, the finesse, I mean, it was just a thing of beauty. And so I was not upset, you know, when yeah. it was Leah and myself, because we were like, oh my God, you know? And I was like, right. I'm okay. Yeah. You're freaking amazing. <laughs> and I love you dearly. And, you know, here it is. And yeah. it, it was nothing but love um, for right. that. But, you know, yeah, it was kind of, for me, it was hard. I honestly didn't think that the two of us were were going home, not to say that anybody deserved to go home. And that was the hard thing about that challenge is how do you tell somebody to make an avatar of themselves and say that's not enough? Exactly.
0: (laughs) I I, I will say two things. Two things I want to say broke my heart, but I also don't want to say like, yeah, I'll stop stumbling over my words. Two Don't things of my heart. One being when you said, I'm representing the black community here. Mm-hmm. And that was very like it, it brought me back to I also watch um Netflix's blown away, the glass blowing show. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. I love that too. And they had um yeah. a black uh man glass blower on there, I think in season two. And he said he, all he hoped to get out of it, not even to win, all he hoped was to be able to show people that Black hands can make beautiful things. And that's and,
1: absolutely correct.
0: And, and that, you know, that's what, when you said that, that's what I went back to. And it broke my heart because I'm like, for fuck's sake, it is not your job to, it shouldn't be your job to like have to show the world this. Yeah, like, This is something we should all just know. Yeah, um, And the other piece is when you, when they asked you if your movement was enough and you said, yes, this is enough movement. I'm like, yes, it's fucking enough <laughs> movement.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I was I'm, like, <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad people caught that, you know, and it's funny because uh, I, I there is was so much more context to that story and, you know, because they asked you, you know, tell us about your piece, tell us about, yep. you know, what's going on. And I expressed to them, you know, I am non-binary, trans, freaking queer, black, you know, and yep. it's 2020 and we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're just coming out of the uprising and, you know, and expressing that, you know, we're literally, we were literally, fearing for our lives and you don't understand what they showed you on TV versus what was actually happening were two different things. And this is a cultivation of everything that I've, you know, and I just, and I just let it all out and it, it didn't get on there. It it was not on the show. And, and to your point of the, the artist on the glass blowing competition, same thing. They asked, you know, why why are you you know why are you here yeah. are you excited you know like whatever i'm here for my people right i'm here to represent i'm doing this in hopes that at least one human goes yes i yes mm-hmm. you're here and and that's all that mattered and that's absolutely what i got i've gotten nothing but uh really warm wonderful messages from people and people from all over the world which has been pretty rad um saying it's so I'm so glad you're visible and you're there and you know literally only two angry messages from you know the typical human that you would think would be angry and that was it you know it's it's been beautiful
0: well I'm glad of that and I also will continue to hope that the world changes as fast as we need it to um (laughs) Um, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, seven, this has been a, uh, beautiful conversation. I thank you very much for, uh, chatting with me and we're at the end of our time. So I want to make sure I give you a chance to tell people where they can find you and kind of keep up with what you're working on.
1: Yeah, you can, um, I have a website that's, you know, it started. The wife was in a hurry. She's like, I'm going to get you a website. the um, 7 Um, or you follow me on Instagram. Cause that's the, that's the most, I think I'm most active on that one, um, which is Butch Charming. Also my wife gave me that one. <laughs> uh, you know, you'll, you'll follow, you'll follow the art and fab world and also the burlesque world because I, you know, we produce and put on burlesque shows and I actually host shows as well. So that's always interesting. And I really chair part of the
0: shows because I feel like the chair should be part of the show.
1: You know, (laughs) now that that you've, now that you've requested it, maybe, maybe the chair needs to make an appearance somewhere. Truly though, if you're ever up here and you want to go to a show or something, you're, you're invited and I will, it'll be on me. Um, (laughs) but yeah hit me up i g uh shoot me messages i respond i I really enjoy uh people reaching out and engaging um and yeah it's a it's a wild experience i I went from not engaging so much on social media to like every day now it that's a lot for a forty year old that was like, ah technology yeah. <laughs> it's a phone i can you know i right use it to look up things here and there and, no, you know, yep.
0: 2021,
1: yep. I got to get it together.
0: That's right. <laughs> That's right.
1: But I really, I really appreciate you reaching out and, um, you know, doing these podcasts. What a, what a wonderful thing to, to do and to be able to share with the world in general. Um, so please keep doing the good work that you're doing.
0: No, thank you. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for chatting today. Yeah. Okay, so again, that was Seven Bailey, and I will include the links on how to follow along with them in today's show notes, which you can find in the description for the episode on whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, or if you happen to be watching this on YouTube, you can check the description down below. If you enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please make sure to subscribe, follow along, and review over on iTunes and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and share with a friend. I am all about the sharing. Share with a friend so they can hear the amazing journeys of all of these female and non-binary makers as well. While you're at it, follow along with the podcast over on Instagram at Crafting a Revolution. You will see uh, when new episodes come up over there, in addition to any other fun things we might be talking about over there as well. When I am not making podcasts and talking to amazing guests, you can find me power carving, dancing, Just being an overall goofball (laughs) over at uh, at Freeman Furnishings on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, you name it. And you can find my website at FreemanFurnishings.com where you can also find each episode of the podcast along with whatever else I've got going on, what classes I have coming up, all that good stuff. So. Come on over at Freeman Furnishings, say hello. Uh, tell me that you found me through the podcast. I always love to hear that. And uh yeah, it's Friday. We're going into the weekend. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. And as always, let's go craft a revolution.
1: She, her, they,
0: they got something they
1: to say. Solution for the toxic masculinity! Pollution is the constant evolution of a broken and